Hello again, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of Budo the Martial Way. As always, I'm your host, Lewis, and today what I would like to discuss with you is the difference between intellectual and experiential knowledge. That is the difference between knowing something theoretically and truly experiencing it. There is an important distinction between these two things, and I think it's really important to understand that distinction, understand that difference, especially in meditation, but of course it also applies to any pursuit that you physically engage in. Anything that is beyond purely intellectual, anything that, you know, such things such as mathematics and a lot of science is is purely intellectual, purely theoretical. But as martial artists, as people who are physically engaged in this life, we really need to understand this difference. So today I'm going to throw some ideas at you, some things you might find interesting. So please sit back and let's begin. Intellectual versus experiential knowledge. Now, this is something that is really important to reinforce the value of practice, reinforce the importance of how you cannot simply read your way to enlightenment. You can't, you can't rely on the, the knowledge of others to lift you up. This is really focusing on how you need to build your own understanding. You need to build your own experience. You need to incorporate this knowledge, other people's knowledge, other people's understanding into your own experience and your own true understanding. So first of all, I'd like to highlight the idea that all language is a form of abstraction. All language, whether it's spoken or written, all of it is like a signpost that points toward a thing. It is not to be confused with the thing that itself that it is pointing toward, but it is merely a symbol to represent a thing. The metaphor you hear a lot in Buddhist and also in Zen is the finger pointing toward the moon. I think Bruce Lee famously said in Enter the Dragon, not to focus on the finger or you'll miss all that heavenly glory. Or to quote Alan Watts, to see the moon, you must forget the pointing finger and simply look directly at the moon. So like I said, this idea of the finger pointing at the moon, this is an old, old metaphor that has been around for a very long time. And it really highlights these people are trying to convey that, of course, we all learn from our mentors, from our guides, and I'm not devaluing the importance of intellectual pursuit and of study but there comes a time when we must let go of that and simply practice what we know and what we understand back in episode four i spoke about the four types of meditation and i, I spoke about how the foundation is contemplative meditation so at the beginning yeah we must learn we must study and we must come to intellectually understand but the highest level of meditation is that transcendental meditation where we must apply what we understand and what we know in martial arts of course at the beginning we must really slow things down and we must understand the technique and we must slow things down focus on the basics focus on the mechanics of things but when you carry that all the way through to the end and when you're in a real fight there is no time for thinking there is only time for action like mushin no mind we must act and we must move purely on instinct 
The first line of the Tao Te Ching, written by Lao Tzu, is Tao Kut Tao Fei Chang Tao, which approximately translates to the way that can be spoken of is not the eternal way. Tao Kut Tao, way named way, Fei Chang Tao, is not way. That is the first line of the Tao Te Ching. The way that can be spoken of is not the eternal way. The way, the Tao, Zen, this foundation, this truth of reality, to speak of it is not to be confused with itself. This is the first line in the Tao Te Ching. It is like a prefix saying everything that is written in this book is simply a signpost directing you toward a thing. He said from the very first line, everything else that I'm about to say is not to be confused with the actual thing itself. Quite literally, if I was to say to you, no matter how much I say the word water, it will never quench your thirst. If you were to imagine a person who was born and raised in a cave, they've never set foot outside this cave their entire life. You could explain to them what water is, or even, even if they've, you know, obviously been drinking, you could explain to them what a lake is, what an ocean is. You could explain to them what it feels like to dive into water. You could explain to them the, the scientific principles of water, of its molecular structure, of fluid dynamics. You could explain all this. You could show them videos. You could show them photos. But no matter how much information you give this person, they will never know what it feels like to jump off a pier into a large body of water and be engulfed by that water, to be underwater, to have it in your nose and in your ears, the smell, the taste. They will never have that visceral feeling. There's a thought experiment uh, I saw online called Mary's Room, which essentially explains the exact same thing. Can a person who spent their entire life in a room that is entirely black and white, no matter how much they learn about color, about the principles of color, about how uh, light refracts into your eye, if they've never seen color, if when they eventually see the color red, will they learn anything new? And that is really, again, highlighting the distinct difference between intellectual and experiential knowledge. To understand something as an idea versus to actually feel it, to actually live it. And I think all children, no matter, no matter how much you tell a child not to play with fire, it's not until they actually get burnt when they truly understand the value of your words. That is why you really need to let people make their own mistakes a lot of the time so they can understand something truly to the core of their heart. And that's maybe a testament to why humanity keeps repeating the same mistakes over and over. Can't truly understand something until you experience it yourself. A quote I have given you again and again. To understand reality as a direct experience is the reason we practice Zazen and the reason we study Buddhism. Shunryu Suzuki. I've given you that quote time and time again. To understand reality as a direct experience. Not to understand it theoretically, not to understand it through someone else's knowledge and understanding, but through your own experience. You cannot replace your own experience. You cannot duplicate it. You cannot imitate it. You have to experience it for yourself. 
which is why in martial arts, it, do it doesn't matter how many videos you watch. Um, there's so many people out there. I could tell you a few names off the top of my head. People I know who are obsessed with watching uh, boxing, martial arts, UFC, and they are experts. They are experts on the fighters. They are experts on techniques. But these people have never set foot inside a gym. And you can see when they analyze fights and when they talk about fighting, you can see that lack of experiential knowledge. These people, they are armchair experts. You, you cannot learn. You can't learn to play an instrument just by watching videos and reading books. You need to get your hands, you need to get your hands dirty. You need to have your own hands-on experience. Another quote. It is almost impossible to talk about Buddhism, so not to say anything, just to practice it, is the best way. Showing one finger or drawing a round circle may be the way, or simply to bow. Again, Shun Liu Suzuki. In a previous episode, I talked about direct pointing, about how you can't lecture people, especially people who do not want to be told. When it comes to unsolicited advice, people who aren't interested in being told. You can't lecture these people on the error of their ways. You can only highlight the way through your own actions, through your own experience. You can only practice it yourself. I always say, those on the way become the way. Another line from the Tao Te Ching. This is why you cannot have Buddhism, Zen, or the Tao explained to you. You have to practice it for yourself, whether it's martial arts, any physical discipline. And it's very easy for a lot of people to think that Buddhism, the Tao, Zen, it is a philosophy. It, absolutely. I absolutely 100% agree. It is a philosophical pursuit. It's not a religion. It is a philosophical understanding of reality itself. But the teachings of these great masters of Siddhartha Gautama, of Bodhidharma, of Bruce Lee, of Alan Watts, of all these great minds throughout history, they're all pointing toward a thing. They're all trying to show you the direction. I always say to my clients, I cannot do the work for you. I can only point you in the right direction. As they say, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. I can only show you the way. You have to walk it yourself. It doesn't matter how many, how many clever quotes or deep, insightful books you read. Unless you sit down and unless you meditate, unless you practice and unless you experience it for yourself, you will not understand. So to give you another example, I said, all language is a form of abstractions. And I always like to say to people that my love does not equal your love. Think about something that you love. Think about that thing that really lights up your life, that really fills your chest with that warmth, that thing that you really rely on in the dark, deepest, darkest times to keep you happy. Think about one or two things that you really love in your life. The feelings that you have for this, like say for instance, if I, let's, let's say um, the feelings I have for my mother, for instance, you know, I am fortunate enough to be, have had good parents raise me. Now, I have a love for my mother that I'm sure many other people out there can associate with, can understand. Now, that feeling that you have for that individual, that person, whatever it is that you love in your life, 
that feeling of warmth, that feeling of security, that feeling of familiarity, all those feelings, all those emotions that you have most likely built over years or even a lifetime of experience cannot be simply distilled down to the word love. Somebody said to me, like, do you love your mother? I thought, yeah, I love my mother. Is that it? Is that it? Is that, is that how you can distill everything down to that one simple word, love? You know what else I love? I love Pop-Tarts. I loved my cat. I love dank memes. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of things I love in life, but the love for each of these things is not equal. There was a fantastic passage in Thus Spoke Zarathustra. Unutterable and nameless is that which torments and delights my soul and is also the hunger of my belly. Let your virtue be too exalted for the familiarity of names. Again, Nietzsche is saying the exact same thing. Those things deep within you, those desires, those passions, those had also your hatred and your anger, those deep strongest emotions and feelings that you have toward the great and the evil in life cannot be distilled into simple words like love and hate. But if you do say, I love this, I hate this, you are disregarding all that complexity and you are creating a simple image out of it. And that simple image, that word, love, that word is shared between everybody. You could, you could ask anyone in the world, what do you love? And they will tell you, they will name a few things, but the feelings they have toward these things are utterly incomparable to the love that you feel toward those great things in your own life. Something I learned a couple of years ago is that to understand a thing and to explain it to someone are two entirely different things. And that is why sometimes we should just experience the truth of something without trying to label it, without trying to name it. In episode four of this podcast, I talked about passive awareness and I was guiding you through meditation. And I spoke about how when you look and especially when you hear things, not to try and name it, not to try and label it, not to try and identify it, because then you are putting ideas, you are putting concepts, attaching labels to a thing that are nameless, that are formless. Just experience a thing in its true thusness. Don't try to name everything. Don't try to label and categorize everything. Because as soon as you name something, and as soon as you categorize, you're building boundaries and you're building walls. It is this, it isn't that. Rather than experiencing something in its true actuality. Again, I would like to highlight that I am not trying to discredit intellectual understanding. I'm not trying to say that one is more valuable than the other. As I've already explained, that contemplative meditation, understanding, correct understanding, that's the first step of the Noble Eightfold Path in Buddhism. That is the foundation. Correct understanding, correct knowledge, correct learning. That is the foundation of all experience. Of course, I'm not denying that at all. Rather than thinking that we, we should have either one or the other, I should, I'd like you to think of them as two sides of the same coin, intellectual and experiential understanding. We must have them both. The great Stoic philosopher, Marcus Aurelius, famously hated philosophers. We think of him now, of course, in his time, he was first and foremost a Roman emperor, but now, he has been remembered through history primarily as a philosopher, as one of the great stoic minds of his time. 
But he has written extensively about how he hates philosophers. He looked at philosophers as purely intellectual, as bookworms, as people lost in theory with no physical application of their knowledge. So what I think is really important is to highlight the value, not just of practice and of applying our knowledge, but also that, as I said before, language is a form of abstraction. An exercise I like to do sometimes with my group classes is I give everyone a piece of paper and I say to them, draw me a white mug, just a white mug, something you drink coffee out of. Draw me a plain white mug. Everybody draws a quick sketch of a white mug and I can guarantee you every single time they will all look completely different. Plain white mug is very simple. You'd think they'd all be roughly the same, but they're always so different. The size, the shape, the handle, the curves, everything is different about them. And that applies to literally every single word that comes out of your mouth. You have your own ideas that you attach to them, your own concepts, your own relations. It's like a spider web of understanding. When I, if I was to say to you, even if I was just to say to you meditation, everybody has a different understanding of what meditation is, of what the goal is, of what the path is, of what the practice is, of who practices it, of why they practice it. Everybody has a different understanding of absolutely everything. Everything that I have said to you today will be completely understood in a different way by different people who listen to it. And I can guarantee you that not a single one of you is going to understand it 100% as I intend it to be understand it. How could you? Because you can't see into my mind. You can't understand my own experience and my own associations that I make with these, which again, I talk about my own experience. You can't understand my own experience. I, I wish I could rip it out of my head and upload it into yours, but I can't. All I can do is point the way and you must practice it for yourself. I read a book a while ago that had a fantastic phrase in it that I want to share with you to end this. That is marvelous function. And he defined it as, for a realization to be authentic, one must be able to apply it in the actual world. True understanding is reflected in one's technique and also in one's daily life. This is the real battlefield where one's enlightenment is constantly tested. John Stevens. As always, thank you for your time and effort. I'm always saying time and time again, don't take my word for it, practice it yourself. I've already given you two guided meditation lessons for you to begin and for you to practice your own understanding. Don't take my word for it, find out the truth for yourself. If you have any thoughts, any comments at all, please share them. I love to hear from everyone. And if you have any friends or family that you think this might be helpful to, please spread the word. Let's get more people involved. We've got new episodes every Tuesday, and next week we're going to talk about the three primary qualities, physical, intellectual, and spiritual. Those of us self-actualizers who are trying to transcend the self, who are trying to improve and better ourselves, these are the three qualities that we must focus on, physical, intellectual, and spiritual. We must hit each of these three qualities. These are the three primary foundations that build an individual. So if we don't focus on these, and we don't look inside what constitutes each of these qualities and how we can improve them in ourselves, we are not going to step forward and we're not going to grow and we're not going to advance in our lives.
Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you will join us next week. Until then, those on the way become the way. <laughs>